I'm Alan Taylor, and today we're talking with... He is the prophet on CNBC, Marcus Lemonis. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You have courage, but you have a gentle nature. You're honest and you're transparent. You have a heart, but you've also got <laughs> strength about you. You're know, like fearless. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Uh, Where did you get this? I'm not sure, honestly. I mean, really, my life is... Uh, has been filled with a lot of success and a lot of disappointment. And anytime you can take those two things and mush them together, you understand the difference between having temperance and compassion when you need to and being aggressive and very demanding when you need to. I would say if I didn't have some of the losses and failures, I don't know that I would be that way. And my I, mother, she whooped me into pretty good shape. Yeah, well, there you go. I read that you are also the president and CEO of Camping World, which I happen to be a big RVer. Very good. That's my uh, baby. Camping World's my baby. Yeah, and uh, we're just coming to the end of the season. So, uh, you know, now we got to figure out how to mothball our, our motorhomes and stuff. But you also are Good Sam's Enterprises, yep. which is, isn't that the campgrounds and what have you? And so what it is, is it's a products and services business. We have a club, roadside assistance, insurance, warranties, and then we license our brand out to campgrounds. Okay. And so the reason that we really match that up with Camping World is it was a nice vertical integration to be able to take the RVer and then sell them really everything in the wheelhouse, from the RV itself to service parts, all of those things, and then layer on top of that all the products that they need, yeah. just like AAA. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great, great business. So let me dig a little bit deeper into this guy, Mark. Marcus Lemonis. Tell me about Marcus Lemonis at 10 years old. Marcus Lemonis at 10 years old. Were you the entrepreneur then? Uh, not as much, but I used business as a way to kind of level the playing field. I was a very awkward child, didn't have a lot of friends. I was very heavy and um, I decided at 11 to get into the lawn business because I knew that I liked being outside. It was good exercise. Um, and I figured that I could BS my way to every house in the neighborhood. And I never pitched the man of the house. I always pitched the woman of the house because I felt like I could 11-year-old charm her yeah. into getting the deal. And um, I was making about $1,000 a month, clearing about $1,000 a month. I had 12 kids working for me. And um, I think the primary reason I fell in love with business is because it was an escape from all the stuff that children have to deal with today, bullies and all the nonsense that goes on. Where'd you grow up? Miami, Florida. Okay. And so I had plenty of grass to cut. It was a 365 uh, business. It wasn't seasonal. You know, Miami's an interesting place to grow up. It's a very, very international feel. I lived in a very dark place as a child. I really? Did, yeah, lived in a very dark place. I lived alone. I was the only child. You know, no brothers, no sisters, not a lot of relatives, and not a lot of friends. And so... I learned to think. Two things that I did as a child. I learned to think about business, and unfortunately, I had too much time to eat. And so I became overweight, and I became kind of clumsy about the whole thing. It was a big failure for me, but it allowed me to turn it around. Tell me about Marcus Lemonis at 16, when you maybe got your first driver's license or car. So my family was in the car business. My grandfather and my godfather had always told me when I turned 16, I was going to get a Corvette. Well, my mother and my father had a different opinion of that. They didn't feel like that was age appropriate and I didn't work for it. So my father tells me that tomorrow you're going to get your new car. He didn't tell me what it was. And I'm thinking I'm getting a new Corvette. We owned a Chevy dealership at the time. He tells me to take the bus down to the dealership from school. I get down to the bus. We get in the car and he says, we're going to take a drive down to the body shop. And I'm thinking, great. They're probably waxing my new car, buffing it out, armor all on the wheels. We get down there and he said, there's your new car. And I said... Where's my car? And he said, it's that one. I said, well, it's two different colors. And so they took a Chevy Cavalier that had been in body wreck. 
One of the cars had been damaged in the back. One of the cars had been damaged in the front, and they literally welded them together. Yeah, your first and, car was a total. And, 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 and put the just, you know common transmission underneath. Yeah. I looked at my father and I said, I'm not driving. And he said, great, I'll give you a buck, get back on the bus. Oh, wow. Said, this is your car. You don't deserve anything else. If you want a nicer car, you pay for it. I'm paying for this. So if you want it, drive it. If you don't want it, no problem. So that's the kind of tough love that I grew up with. That taught you something good, though, didn't it? Well, what it said to me was if you want something, you're not entitled to it. You didn't buy it. You didn't pay for it. You didn't earn it. You want it? Go buy it yourself. If not, you'll get what I give you. So now you have 40,000 people that want you to help them with their businesses. And I can see from the reaction to these folks, yeah. there's probably a lot more than 40,000 people. You know, there is. Um, and I have to be honest with you. It's a daunting responsibility. Yeah. At 40 years old, to be respected and appreciated, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie to you, it's overwhelming. And it's a big responsibility, and I don't take it lightly. And there isn't a night that I don't lay my head down on the pillow, and I'm grateful for what I have, but I'm also not forgetful of how quickly it can go away. And so I respect it. But I think the new level of, of responsibility that I've noticed, I have 7,000 employees across all my businesses, is that you have people who listen and they watch what you do and they want to learn it's a feeling that I never could have predicted most people would think it's fun to have a TV show and it is it's a lot of fun to make a show but it is a very very big responsibility and I take it very seriously it's really I think like you it's my mission in life to educate and to inspire but it also is a little different when I do it with my checkbook. Yeah. Because then people have to listen. They don't have a choice. That's right. Well, the show is called The Prophet, but that word can be spelled a different way with a PH. Can be. And that's a person that has been touched in some way and then wants to share that with others. And I feel like that is kind of you. You're kind of, you want to make a profit, but you also are a little bit of a profit. You know, as you get to know me better, as people get to know me better, it's more important for me, if I was listing my priorities, to change people and to change the way they think about things and to have them feel like it's not a bad situation, not despair. If I do those things and I'm smart about my money, I'll make a profit with an F. And so while I'm, I know that I'm not a profit with a PH, I know that some people are looking for me to inspire them. And it's, um, it's a exciting. big responsibility. It's a big responsibility, yeah. but it's exciting because, you, you know, my mother used to ask me all the time, what are you going to do with your life? Because no one gives a crap about how many cars you have. I want to know what you're going to do. I'm proud of your success, but I want to see results. And I don't want to see it in your bank account. I want to see you change people's lives. I want to see you teach people. I want to see you put your money where your big, fat mouth is. And so that's really what I'm God bless your mother for doing that. Right? Yeah. Um, you now are 40. So tell me about your wife and kids with all not, this business. Not married. <laughs> don't have kids. I'm in a relationship, a happy relationship. Uh, and I'm one busy you, guy. The woman in my life hates the fact that I have a television show. Yeah. She hates the fact that I've invested in over 100 businesses. Wow. Um, because she really feels like she's being cheated, but she's been a good sport. So talk about that investment. Where are you at with the uh, TV show and the investments? So I'll, I'll kind of categorize them differently. I have an investment in over 100 different businesses. But through 24 episodes of The Profit, I've invested in 16 of them. Probably, as I sit here today, I'm probably north of $14 million. And 
that's a, a lot of money yeah. for anybody. Yeah. The one thing that I like to joke about with people, and, and it's funny because Shark Tank airs on CNBC with me, is that I am pretty sure that I've invested more in 24 episodes than maybe <laughs> Shark Tank does in a season cumulatively. Yeah. And so while I don't ever compare and contrast... Because you're a whale and they're just sharks. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I'm friends with all of them. Yes. They're all wonderful people. But what I think Shark Tank is doing and what we're doing is we're telling people that they have a shot. Yeah. They have a chance. Yeah. Right place, right time, right application, right casting. Uh, and there's people, and I think this is the bigger takeaway, there's people who do what I do. There's people who do what the sharks do off TV that don't get the same credit. Right. We're really just examples. We're not pioneers. We're probably followers. There's people that have done it before us just didn't get the attention for it. Yeah. And that's why this country's so great. I'm Alan Taylor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.